Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlo Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars welcome to the show joining us to discuss the topics of the week from the new zealand herald it's eric thompson good evening yeah how are you mate are you well i am chat again greg yeah it's great to have you back on the show and uh, it's also great to have a man who's about to see the end of the football season so it's full speed ahead on the grid for Tony Shebecki. Hello, Craig. How are you, buddy? Look, uh, Jeff Harris has had a very interesting story. He, he bobs up on Kevin Bartlett's show too, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He He's, does when yeah. He said uh, we could be seeing a return to one tyre compound in V8 supercars because the teams are very concerned about the cost of running on the soft tyres. Tony, the Western Advocate over there in Bathurst, they put a new twist on the V8 supercar Bathurst 12-hour clash. Uh, yeah, well, the, the whole uh, 12-hour clash has been a disaster, hasn't it, in regards for, uh, for publicity, for not just for V8 supercars, I suppose, but it's really given a kick in the teeth to the 12-hour as well. So uh, it's been really disappointing to see how that one's played out over the last couple of months, but uh, V8 supercars are entitled to do what they want to do with their drivers and uh, what they want to do with their teams. And uh, they've decreed that they need them there on the Sunday for photos and media commitments. So that's unfortunately the way it's going to be, and uh, the 12 hours is going to miss out on some good drivers and some good drivers are going to miss out on some uh, great drives. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the two can't seem to coexist at the moment. Maybe that's got something to do with Seven having the rights to the 12-hour. Maybe not, but uh, mm. that's just the cynic of me that's talking that. In regards to the tie compound, look, I think cost has to be kept down, doesn't it? I've been speaking about it for a long time, and the fact that the uh, car of the future, which is now the car of the now, has uh, cost the team so much in regards to its development. And I suppose it's in a more of a steadying phase now than what it was last year, but still costs are fairly high. And uh, look, if it means that the cars aren't going to go much slower, the public's not going to notice that you know a car's going to be 10 k's off uh, a lap because you just don't notice that with the, with the naked eye. So if it still means for exciting racing, then so be it. Now, B Cafe's had two interesting stories this week. Dunlop Series co-driver announcements, and uh, we're seeing quite a, an interesting array of drivers coming back into that Dunlop Series 250. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I found that when it was all announced that it's going to be like a, what would you call it, a million mini endurance race or a, a long sprint race. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I, I don't know whether it's just a marketing ploy. I mean, 250 clicks, you know, it's not a long time to sit in a car around there. And if you bring in co-drivers, and the interesting thing is main game drivers aren't allowed to drive in it. But I'm curious about how Andre Heimgartner, the Kiwi driver who's actually with Ant Pedersen in the Super Black in the main game, has he got a special dispensation to do both? That's a good point. I think they said regular main game drivers, so the Super oh. Black drivers aren't classified mm. as regular main game drivers. I mean, fair call, but it's like one of those, it just seems to be an odd sort of thing. But um, I, I suppose it gives an option for some of, uh, some of the ex-main game drivers or from the development series to get in, but it's not compulsory from what I can, you know, somebody can do the whole race on their own. Yes, but the main development series driver has to do something like a minimum of 12 laps. I just think it's 
I'm not too, and, and then they've got a minimum fuel load that has to go in and, and a pit stop. It's almost like complicating something that doesn't need to be complicated. I quite like the idea. Whenever I've watched Bathurst with the development series, you get, you know, two 40-minute races. So it's boom. You know, it's great. Because, I mean, we've all got to admit, you know, with um, Bathurst 1000, what are they, 23, maybe 24 cars on the grid with the extra one? You know, it's a long race just to see 24 cars. Yep. There'd be a lap or two with a gap between drinks, and I'm sort of wondering whether the development series would have been better to have two, you know, rocket ship races um, at 40 minutes mm. each, and then if, if somebody, you know, messes up or something happens or you kiss the wall a bit, at least you've got a chance to go again. Mm. Just to me, it seems like having two endurance races on the card. Yeah. It, it came from, of course, the interest the Dunlop Series team showed in being wildcard entries into the Bathurst 1000. They thought, well... If they got that much interest, they didn't want to put the old cars back in with new cars, so they decided to give them a, uh, a feature race of their own. I, I don't have a problem with it myself. I'm, I'm quite, I'll be quite fascinated by it. But another interesting story, Eric, uh, is Erebus is looking to get some factory support. Yeah, and I'm not quite too sure. It seems to be an interesting thing considering, what is it, Mercedes-Benz Australia were like, almost like with the cross and get thee away from me, Satan. <laughs> In, in the early times, and we don't, you know, it's not our customer base, you know, tusk, tusk, tusk. They've sort of seen their communication guy seems to be quite happy with the whole the whole thing now. Um, what's his name? David uh, McCarthy seems to be, well, okay, but nobody's ponying up any money for them. Mm. So, and it doesn't seem whether it's going to be a year or another year. And one thing I found quite interesting, I didn't realise earlier on that... Um, uh, Betty Clemenko and her, and her crew actually got nothing when they ran all that customer service um, livery on the car as well. So that is a, that is amazing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I, honestly, Tony, I found that really odd, but it, it's still you know the Mercedes Benz Australia flip flop, and and wasn't it a while ago the Obergruppenfuhrer for the AMG um, wasn't happy with their performances, but at least they've had a couple of podiums and a win. I think they should write out a check between the two of them. They should yeah. help a little bit because it's but, made that brand you know, way yeah. more accessible to everybody, really. Yeah, without a doubt. My first thought when I first saw it was, this is great. This is a, this is a coming together of these two in more than just, uh, you know, the, the relationship that they had in the past. But then you're right, yeah, once I learned that it was exactly the same thing, I thought, hang on, something's not right here. Someone's, yeah. someone's got the bum end of the deal, and I think it was Erebus. Yeah, well, we'll see how that all pans out. To our feature interview now, there'll be more with our panellists shortly. Tony Dalberto has moved from running his own team to teaming up with Tim Slade. We hear what he has to say to Peter Norton about his hopes of getting back into the main game full-time. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 supercars world. The only, the only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, going to make the car go faster, or B, going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. In supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do up. 
um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Tony Dalberto, unfortunately at the end of last year you handed back your wreck um, and recently there's been a, a tender process to work out what to do with those. Are you comfortable with the outcome of that process? It's not something I really comment too much on, but uh, in short, no. It's, um, it's been handled fairly poorly and uh, we're not getting too involved. We're um, working pretty hard behind the scenes to get something happening for ourselves next year and we've just got to work out... Um, the licensing once we have a commitment from a sponsor so we're not getting too involved at the moment is there the option for them to give it back to you i'm not sure what they're they're what they're going to do i mean they've just told us that they've um, basically parked the license and uh you know it's made our asset worth not a lot of money so um, it's pretty disappointing what suggestions would you have for them to handle it better <laughs> oh, i don't know it's uh look i mean it, from our point of view, we're working really hard to get um, you know some money together and to get car back on track. And I just would have thought the way things are at the moment, teams are really battling. They'd welcome that, you know. And uh, I don't think it's um, anything personal or anything like that. It's just the way that's the way they've chosen to deal with it. And um, at the moment, it's not looking favourable to to our plans. But that's not the end of the world. I think. You know, if we come with a budget and a, and a deal, I think uh, the licence would be the least of our problems. The, the Rex, of course, uh, one of the, the benefits of having one, uh, other than being allowed to race, is that you get a, a share of the profits from the uh, organisation. How important is that element of it, to, to get that back, or would you go racing without that profit share? Um, well, I mean, we've factored into the amount of money we need to find for next year, and... Uh, you know, not having that definitely leaves a hole in the budget. Um, but the other thing is, the main reason we want to try and get our license back is to protect a, you know an asset that we've we spent a lot of money on. And um, like I said, we're working really hard to try and do that. But uh, V8 has sort of put a bit of a stop to that now. In the background, the, the you know the race team, the infrastructure, the workshop, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. Do you still have that ready to go? No, at the start of this year I basically uh, spent my time getting rid of all that, selling everything. Uh, we've still got a few bits and pieces to sell, but majority of it's gone. Uh, the facility we own, so we've uh, basically just rented that out, and uh, that's a good little asset for us. Um, but yeah, it, it was quite a big job at the start of the year there to basically shut the shop down and, and get rid of everything and uh, try and uh, limit the damage of uh, owning a race team. So <laughs> it wasn't a very happy time. Uh, um, yeah, everyone was sorry to see you uh, leave the competition and it's great to have you back and uh, I guess uh, looking forward to, to Bathurst, uh, as yes. you said, arrive and drive. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I think, like I said, Walkinshaw on the up. They're uh, a team that you want to be part of. Um, they're, they're investing a lot of money and a lot of effort and time and getting the right, right guys. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think we're quite at Triple Eight yet, but uh, we're not far away. And the nice thing is that, uh, you know, there's just such a big push from everybody to go forward. So uh, it's not like, oh, we can't put brakes on this race or, you know, we need to limit here or whatever. Like, they don't spend money willy-nilly, but... Uh, there's uh, money being spent in the right areas and uh, I think come Bathurst in the back half of the year and early next year it's going to get better and better. And of course what everyone loves about Bathurst is anything can happen, uh, weather or incidents on the track. I guess that's the leveller that everyone's hoping for to catch the Triple Eight. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it throws everything at you. And uh, it's, uh, you really just got to play it by ear on the day. And, you know, strategy plays a big part. But uh, we're going to work on the car a little bit, just get a bit more speed. So, um, you know, you, you're not so um, limited in your strategy. Uh, you know, if you've got heaps of speed, then you, it opens up your day. So uh, that's what we need to work on between now and Bathurst. Plenty of work, but we're looking forward to it. Uh, all the best. Thanks very much. Cheers. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe to myself uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as yeah, the cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian tyres this week have been back and we don't like it the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where Eric Thompson and Tony Shebecki join me, Craig Ravel, and we saw at Sandown the release of the new calendar and formats, and uh, I guess, Tony, it was a lot of announcement, but with the, with the exception of you now being able to go to Pukekohe because it's out of the football season, it's, uh, it didn't wow me as much as I had hoped. Oh, no, I'm excited, Craig. Don't worry about that. I get to see Eric Thompson's backyard, so I'm really looking forward to doing that. Back in the early 2000s, it was always in November. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Is the weather exactly. going to be better? Because I must say the Anzac Day weekend from an external observer seemed to go off with a huge bang. It's funny you say that about everybody was really, in New Zealand, quite chuffed about that sort of three-stroke, four-day event. Easter weekend, absolutely magnificent, great, let's go it. Now they flip-flopped it back to November, so I, I don't know whether New Zealand's a bit of the whipping boy. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm not really bitching too much because I just love it. So can the cynic in me once again speak? This wouldn't have anything to do with the gloss off the uh, Super Tours, would it? Oh, it might do, but then again, I, well, my, my other point, I think you might actually have a fair point there, actually, because it'll take a fair amount of gloss off it. Because it'll be, what, only two, maybe three rounds left in the championship? For a round to be in New Zealand, everybody coming over here, the only international event the Supercars have got... In New Zealand, when it's as long as somebody doesn't run away with the championship, it will be tight. So I mean, it's good for us and maybe the Super Tour thing. But the opening round this weekend, grid's not very good. I think there's 11, maybe 12 cars. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. The calendar for the New Zealand Super Tour, as Eric showed up, the April meeting being the last one because of like every other motor racing country, you run it as a summer series, not a winter. So they were planning to run on the their final round of the championship at the V8 supports. But, of course, the V8 event isn't going to be till the start of the new season. So will that last round even go ahead? Oh, I, I mean, it's really weird. They truncated the season last season. It wasn't full. They didn't get full seven rounds in. Part of me thinks it was probably a good strategy because it's been such a tough fight with that whole thing with Motorsport New Zealand and NZV8 and et cetera, et cetera. And um, they decided, no, we'll just have a big, big gap. Everybody get organised and start again. <laughs> this thing in November, so it, it'll be interesting. At some stage, everybody's got to have a chat, I suppose. I mean, it's not as if the um, super tours are a threat to the V8 supercars, really, if you think about it. I mean, my God, you guys are a behemoth compared to what we've got. And rightly so. Tony uh, Shebecki, the Australian drivers are all over in New Zealand 
this weekend where the New Zealand Super Tourist Enduro season starts. Yeah, I, I, I really like that. I like the fact that uh, a lot of our Aussie drivers and a lot of our Kiwi brethren head back home and uh, fill up the Super Tourist with some uh, good quality drivers. I'm sure there's uh, some great quality drivers as well, local boys that uh, make the Super Tourist into the great series that's become in the last 12 to 24 months. So I'm, I'm really rapid that the other guys still here get to support that. And I just, and, uh, once again, the city committee wonders how long the last call. Eric, you, you said the grid numbers, of course, are down, but you're getting some very good standard Australian drivers over there to, to support your local talent. Man, I was actually quite impressed that I think there's four main game drivers. But yes, well, three, we're not sure about Mostert, but, you know, definitely three, plus um, a lot of the... Enjoy drivers, so it's there's a lot of a lot. As Tony sort of said, there's a lot of talent there, so it might be yeah. you know a small field, but it's pretty talent packed. And like last time, the endurance things, you could sort of see the just how much more even the Aussie part-time drivers have got and the enduro drivers or and the, the former full-time V8 supercar drivers have got compared to the New Zealand drivers. And, and there's a, hopefully it won't happen this year, but occasionally we get some of these young Kiwi guys, the berserker rage and the mist comes down and they sort of think, well, you know, I've got to prove myself here and rather than just play a waiting game. I mean, it'll be good. It's at Taupo, one of the fastest... It's sort of like a go-kart track, really. One of the fastest tracks that we've got in the country. Modern, it's got facilities. It should suit them well. The drivers are looking forward to it. It'll be quite good, but I sort of think, um, especially with Van Gisbergen being the first time he's ever been a co-driver, that'll be interesting. It's Simon Evans, and then you've got Murphy driving with Jack Perkins, defending um, series championships. So I think it'll be between you know, those two really, and because when you've got Tim Slade driving with his co-driver and some of the others and Dale Wood and that lot, I, I think the New Zealand drivers probably don't have the talent pool within them to match those guys. Because remember when Lee Holdsworth was out here last year, he was patently quicker than his like by a country mile. So, but it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. An interesting point to bring up just very quickly, though. Greg Murphy, uh, he had such a great drive at Sandown, and he's had such a fantastic 12 months in the Super Tours. I just wonder whether there's still life left in Greg Murphy and V8 Supercars yet. Discuss it for another day, I reckon. Yeah, well, Tony, I've already been pushing the fact that I want to see him team up with Marcus Ambrose in the DJR Penske team. I reckon that would be the absolute marketing coup of the century. To Guys, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Back with plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. The only, the only things Ross is ever critical on are things that A, you're going to make the car go faster, or B, you're going to make the race team look better. So he's um, he's, he's honestly taken on board the, the team, and, and almost, you know, it's, it's great to see how much actually he's passionate. Supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au, or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security, Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where 
we've seen Scott McLaughlin, such a young driver, Shane Van Gisbergen, such a young driver coming into V8 supercars. Now, last weekend, Tony, down there at Phillip Island, we were supposed to see the debut of Jake Kostek, who was going yep. to be running in the Fumo V8 Touring Car Series, which is for the cars that are too old for the Dunlop Series. And unfortunately, he couldn't get his cams license in time, but how old should you be before you can actually get a license to drive even a 10-year-old V8 supercar, in your opinion? Craig, uh, you mentioned the word unfortunately he didn't get his license. I'm wrapped for the kid and for, uh, for, for motor racing itself. I mean, you can't have a 14-year-old, a, a kid that can't even drive on the road yet, being able to, to go around in this. Uh, and look, he might be capable, he might be fast and all that sort of stuff, but I just fear that you know, something one day may happen with these young guys. And uh, look, there's got to be an age limit, I reckon. Uh, we're talking about pretty powerful cars. Uh, 16, possibly, maybe, at the absolute youngest. If they can drive a Formula 1 car, 16, then I suppose if we had supercars and difference. But, yeah, 14, it didn't tickle me too much when I heard this story, Craig, and I'm, I'm happy that it didn't happen. And uh, the kid's got his whole life to wait. Let him enjoy his time in karting and, and that sort of stuff and then get into the pressure of the bigger, the bigger game. Mm. Now, Eric, I seem to remember that you can do things a lot younger in New Zealand than we could in Australia. I know back here when I was a youngster racing karts and wanting to move into Speedway, uh, people like Brooke Tatnell and others were going to Adelaide to get their licence because they could get it a year earlier than what they could on the eastern states. But my memory serves me correct. You can get your driver's licence pretty young over there in NZ. Yeah, you, you can still sort of, um, unfortunately, it's just changed um, this year. But like last year, you could sit your provisional or your learner's licence at 15. And then, um, well, back in my day, uh, you, you got your full licence at 15. And there was anything, then they move it to 15, but they've moved it up to 16, and I think it's 16 and six months or something now. And um, it's quite interesting you're saying about what Tony was talking about. I, I, I'm in his camp, I think 14, in a, in a you know, you know, basically an agricultural race car, if, if we look at it as a 10-year-old um, V8 supercar, is, is, is not the finesse beast that they are now. And to stick a 14-year-old in there, I think, as Tony's got alluded to, I think it's a recipe for disaster. But, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you've got Formula First, Formula Ford, open wheels. I mean, Scott Dixon had his first race, you know, with a dispensation of 14, and he crashed, and, you know, he fell out of the car and all that sort of stuff. But, it, you know, the, the thing he was racing wasn't going that quick at Pukekohe. And I just think it could be a recipe for disaster. So, Well, it's one that we're going to be challenged with more and more as people realise they've got to get... To be able to make a name for themselves, they've got to get seen and they've got to get into the, some of these divisions much earlier. To try but, and they can still do, but they can still do that, Craig. They, they just mm. do it through the, through the actual uh, categories that we have that everyone else has gone through. Mm. They start in go-karts, they work their way into Formula Ford, Formula 3, whatever it may be. Then they work their way into, when they're 16, 17-year-old, into the Kumo series, into Porsche, into that sort of stuff, and yeah. work their way up. But go through the categories, learn your craft, and then get out there. And, and I think... The, the one thing I wanted to say before was I just think it's fantastic that we've stopped this this from happening before something happens. I mean, it would have been shocking if something had to happen and then everyone turns around and says, well, maybe we shouldn't have done it. Mm. I, I don't wish the kid any harm at all, but let's just, yeah, let's just get right here. 14 is just way too young. Mm. I sort of agree with Tony. The thing is, the guy might be quick, but we've got some pretty quick youngsters here, but they don't have race craft. No, exactly. Tony says, and yet... You, you learn racecraft in any category, it doesn't matter. 
I mean, and, and they just need racecraft, especially in those bloody big taxis. <laughs> well, one guy who did come through all the ranks is Michael Caruso, and and Eric, he's he's decided to stay on at Nissan for a, a multi-year deal, and you think that multi-year deal coincides with the uh, signing of Nissan up to the end of 2016. Yeah, he must know something that we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can think, but yeah, he's been there and thereabouts. Maybe, um, you know, there's been a few changes at... Um, the Kelly plant and with Nissan Motorsport in general, so maybe they're starting to think about we might actually, you know, the coverage Nissan's had since it's been in the championship, even internationally, has been, you know, good for the brand. So maybe he's realising that you take a gamble, maybe that things will come right. You know, he might be thinking a bit like, you know, with, with Scotty McLaughlin and Volvo, nobody knew they'd come out of the box so fast. So, and Crusoe's been, what, he's had a couple of top fours and a podium and the thing, so... Stability. He knows the team. He knows his engineers. He knows anything. So maybe the idea is, you know, if it ain't sort of totally broken, don't sort of fix it yet. Mm. What was your take, Tony? Uh, yeah, I take yeah, pretty much the same as what Eric said. And I think it's a good teaming also with James Moffat and Michael Crusoe. A couple yeah. of young guys. They seem to get on really well as teammates. That team does seem to have harmony. They haven't had much luck, but they've got harmony. At least uh, when you go into the garage, you know, the guys seem to be enjoying what they're doing on a weekend. So I think that really works well. I, I, I cannot see beyond this year, Todd Kelly continuing with the team as a driver. I think he's got to move into a more uh, strategic position with the, with the company, uh, with, you know, with the Kelly Racing and, and Nissan Racing, and take, a, take more ownership. And uh, I think we may see that there might be a spare seat for someone to jump into next year there. Mm, well, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. As you said at the uh, top there, Tony, it's uh, only two weeks away from Bathurst, and interesting to see how the AGP and and Vert Supercars are, are working hand-in-glove with the two-seater rides of the uh, Minardi Formula 1 car being taken up to the mountain, and obviously Vert Supercars, as we're talking about the calendar in the first segment, still very, very uh, frantically working on getting the AGP event as part of the Vert Supercar Championship next year. Yeah, this is good. This is a good cross-promotion. I like this, uh, that these two are working together because obviously V8s and Formula 1s work extremely closely together for the Australian Grand Prix and uh, yeah, I think V8s can definitely give them a little bit of support in regards to promoting the event. This thing, I don't know when you last saw it, Eric, but this thing still goes damn fast. It's been RDP, so what is it, 12 years old or something? But it is a gem of a car. Yeah, it is. And uh, unfortunately for Cameron Convall, he won't be driving it. He's the regular driver of this thing over here in March, but he's uh, doing the Hawaiian Ironman on that weekend. So, uh, Eric, any interest? I, I actually am, because I remember seeing the footage of, was it the McLaren or something, went around... I was talking about any interest in driving the thing. And Beth, oh, mate, I'm so... Oh, <laughs> my days are on two wheels. I, <laughs> I, I, I did a bit of a season last year in driving a just a production saloon car racing clubman stuff I've got a whole new respect for car drivers yeah. they, no they think us motorcyclists are mad I mean I, two wheels is easy to think about that whole four wheel thing guys has just done my head in you got Mate, I cross balance I went go-karting cross springs I went go-karting with the kids a couple of weeks ago and I've got yeah. a whole new respect for them as well just, it just does my head about how much you've got to try and work out and the pitch and roll and tone. give me a motorcycle any day you can yeah. change your weight on the thing through a corner I had no idea with racing a car that once you're committed sort of she's all over over well we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars join in the conversation post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question email insiders at sportradio.com Dot .com.au dot 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, rest of the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought from Eric Thompson. Oh, my final thought has to be about Bathurst and the Super Black Racing. And part of me is jumping up and down going, woohoo, magic. And the other part of me is going, oh my God, is this going to end in tears like New Zealand teams have in the past? And my main issue is if they have not put somebody as a general manager who's got a motorsport background. Mm-hmm. It's Tony's manager from his domain.com things or whatever it is. And I'm sort of thinking, you know, you had enough people in New Zealand that could have stood up and just been the general manager of the thing, like a Paul Radisic or somebody like that. And it's also, you know, Ant Pedersen and Andre Heimgardner, great young peddlers, you know, but doing really well in the development series. I don't know whether it's a good idea to put, I don't know what you think, Tony, to put two young guys in a car at Bathurst together. Yeah, I, I don't know who else they had. Well, if you want another New Zealand, I, I mean, they, they couldn't have got Murphy, but I mate, I don't know whether it was... I think they should have just put an Aussie in it to help mm. them out. Final thought, Tony Shebecki. Oh, my final thought goes with Ford Performance Racing uh, and just the fact that they may have looked like they've missed the boat again with another championship opportunity. I mean, we had Mark Winterbond just doing so well, didn't we, for the first half of the season. And once again, just the last couple of weeks, FPR, I don't know how it happens, but they just seem to have dropped the ball. And as a result, Winterbottom's gone from leading the series to being third and a fair way behind Wing Cup now. And one would think that unless they have some spectacular results in the remaining two Enduros, that that opportunity, once again, for uh, Mark Winterbottom, may be gone. So a final thought for Frosty and the fact that he was, I just wish his team could get their stuff together for a full season and actually give this guy an opportunity to, to really race for the top, you know, the top step of the uh, the championship. Otherwise, uh, we're just going to see this time and time again. Mm. Going to be a contender, but he's never going to be a winner. Well, that's all we have time for on Inside Supercars this week. Until next time round, bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.